You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou... Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, the rains come down outside and in answer to our prayer, nourish the world and bring forth a harvest. As we are nourished by your word this morning, hear our prayer and bring forth a harvest of righteousness from us, your people, that you may be glorified and more coins be found and sheep be rescued. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, we, we like our, our miracles to be bombastic, and, and we, we, like, we like lots of fireworks and stuff when they happen. Um, today's story from the scriptures, many stories, are about a more average, everyday kind of miracle uh, that God does. But um, I, was, I was taught a really fun lesson in this. Uh, James Bryant told a story that back in 1984, Pope John Paul II was going out and doing visiting of ordinary places, and he was visiting a hospital one day. And of course, you know what it's like when you know someone important is coming over. You, know, you clean everything, you get everything ready, and the staff was scurrying around and doing all this stuff. And uh, well, one doctor, he was kind of like, I can't afford to waste this much time. So he sat down in a wheelchair and started working on his paperwork. Well, pretty sure right then the Pope comes walking through with his entourage. And as he walks by the doctor working in, in the wheelchair, he looks at him and goes, oh, and just blesses him and keeps moving. Well, of course, the doctor stood up and followed him. <laughs> and everyone in the entourage went, oh. Yeah, it's, um, we, we, like, we like to see these big miracles and we like to be excited by them. And it can be such that we forget the ordinary everyday miracles because they're so ordinary and everyday. They, they kind of go under our radar and we begin to think they're part of the assumed landscape instead of a miracle. One famous theologian said, you know, he says, I don't know how my house works. He says, when I go to the wall and turn on a light switch and the lights come on, I'm amazed. To me, that's like magic. That kind of magic is, of course, produced by creative, clever people in the world. I was listening to an economist this week uh, give a lecture and he was talking about how, how much the world has changed. And he said, if you want to know why there's so much more stuff today, why the whole world is richer, even the poorest of the poor are richer now than they've ever been in history, he says, you just have to look at a couple of innovations. Things like the electric light. He said, back in 1980, he said the average person in India had to work eight hours in a day just to earn enough money to feed themselves that day. Now, if you've only got nine hours of light, that means you've got one hour left to earn a little extra money beyond what you fed yourself with today. Said, but then they electrified rural India. 
Just like they once upon a time electrified rural America. And all of a sudden, people had 14 or 16 hours in which they could work. Now they had, instead of having one extra hour's worth of money, now they had eight, nine hours extra money if they wanted to. And as people innovated and became, uh, invented new ways to do things, things got cheaper. So that little by little, although the same amount of stuff was available, everyone could have more of it and not live so hand to mouth. Do you know how much time it takes the average American to earn their money with which they'll feed themselves today? Six minutes. Now, have you ever seen two economists be able to get together on one of those talking head shows and agree on anything? It's a mystery to them how this works, too. <laughs> Such a mystery that it might as well be magic or a miracle. These glasses are something that has greatly changed the nature of human life. Two years ago, I didn't need these. Now my, my arm is not long enough to let me read my cell phone. Which means that my days of reading scripture would be over at 52. So I go everywhere with these now. <laughs> these cost me $16 for four of them. And all of a sudden my productive life is 20 years longer than once it was. Thank you, Ben Franklin. But what inspires someone like a Ben Franklin to invent something like these or all of us together in some way to contribute to a world economy that's, that's getting bigger for everyone rather than smaller? And not, I'm not talking about eating up more resources even, just being more creative with the resources we have. Well, because we're made in the image of a creative God. Our kids are down the hall learning about creation this morning. And we're made in the image of a God who said, let there be. Well, that's kind of a little minor everyday miracle, even if it's explainable. But there are bigger miracles, of course, that are, the scripture is filled with. And there are coincidences in our everyday life that God will bring something along and stack up three things in a row. And we'll go, oh, okay, God, I'm listening. I guess this is something you want to tell me. You know, the top... Scientists in the world, some of them are some of the most fervent Christian believers. And I'm not talking about average mediocre scientists. I'm talking about people at the top of their game. People like Francis Collins, who's an adult convert to Christianity, was the head of the Human Genome Project. I'm talking about people like James Tor, who is one of the great nanotechnologists of our, our day. He can, you know, he can build a car out of proteins. A little car that you like, like you play with, like a matchbox car. It can you can it actually winds up and it goes. It goes. It's so small that five thousand of them end to end are the width of a human hair. And you know what he does on his lunch break? Teaches Bible study. People like James Polkinghorne, nominated for the Nobel Prize in Physics reached the end of that and went, I, there's, there's so much more here that physics can't explain. I guess it's time to become a pastor. <laughs> and became a professor of theology at Oxford as well as physics. Some people have way so many brains. 
They don't find any of the great miracles in the scripture either confusing or beyond the reach of God or beyond the reach of even science. But those are not the kind of miracles today's scripture lifts up. The kind of miracle that today's scripture lifts up, all three of them in different ways, is simply the miracle of our faith. And specifically, that our God not only exists, but that He comes looking for us. When we have run away, when we've gotten lost, when we've been scattered to the four winds, it is God who comes searching for us. Now, the scriptures talk also about us searching for God and all religions are about the search for God but in Christianity uniquely or Judaism and Christianity is where God comes looking for us when we're lost. The first reading from Ezekiel. Ezekiel's a great prophet of the Babylonian captivity. And while the people are in exile the Lord speaks to Ezekiel and says has some stern words for those who are collaborating with the, uh, the powers that be and oppressing their fellow Israelites. But he says, you know, they've been scattered everywhere and I'm going to gather them back together and I'm going to set David over them as their king, as the great shepherd of that flock of sheep. Well, of course, David's long dead by this point. So what he means is the descendant of David the one because he promised David that his throne would, would last forever and we as Christians recognize that that descendant of David is now our king in Jesus Christ we've been gathered we've been gathered from our scattered condition of sin by our God in the gospels today Jesus talks about how God how much rejoicing there is how God goes in his great lengths and efforts it's not enough for him that 99% of the flock is saved I'm going to go looking for the one and bring it back and God in Jesus' parable God is compared to this woman who loses one coin and turns the house upside down until she finds it and not only that when she finds it I mean when I find a coin I'm happy I'm cheap. <laughs> but I don't call my friends and say, come on over and have a party. I found my nickel. <laughs> but that's, that's what happens in heaven. Whenever one sinner comes to repentance. But that sinner can only come to repentance because God went seeking them first. In 1 Timothy, Paul, writing to his protege, says, you know, we do what we do so that love can proceed from a pure heart and a clean conscience and, and a sincere faith. I try to love people, but I think it proceeds from those three things about maybe 60% of the time, 65% of the time. I'm still a selfish being in so many ways. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to let God work on me. And if it's true like that for you, I hope your percentage is better than mine. If it's true like that for you, we can affirm with Paul that Christ Jesus came to save sinners of which I am the foremost. I know this 
grace has been given to me. Not just the grace of the cross, but the grace to believe that it's true because God has come seeking me through His Word and through the power of the Spirit, the Word has brought me to faith that I might love and trust God as I never could without His help. God comes seeking us. And rejoins us to his flock and prays we will never stray again. I love the way Luther says this in his small catechism. In was talking about the Apostles' Creed, which we're going to say together in a few moments, thinking of the article about the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And then Luther says, what does this mean? When you say, I believe those things, what does it mean? And here's the answer. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith in the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. It's God who calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies us. And each of us can proudly say, we are the chief of sinners. And in that way, we're all made equal. You know, we live in a world obsessed right now with equity. And it keeps trying to juggle scales and make everyone equal. You know when we're all equal? When we're all on our knees. When we're all equally humble. When we're all equally needy of the grace that God wishes to give. And richly does give. Through His Son Jesus Christ and the preaching of the Word about Him. mentioned a bunch of scientists and how they don't see them, the miracles in the Bible as being contrary to the scientific world they study and explain at high levels. Um, I love a story I heard by a pastor that's a little more simple and a little more common sense kind of response to things. He had a guy in his congregation who had come to faith in Jesus and because of that, whole other things in his life started to get sorted out and straightened out. He'd, he'd been an alcoholic and um, as his life got cleaned up, things came back together, his family, everything improved, and, and life was starting to go well. Uh, but he was starting to be made fun of by some of his friends from his, his, the groups he used to hang out with. And one of them said was, Come on! You're a smart guy. You can't believe this miracle stuff. So do you really believe Jesus turned water into wine? I love what the guy said. He said, You know what? At my house, he turned whiskey into furniture. The everyday miracle of us coming to faith in Jesus 
and the change in our lives that that will bring. Sometimes quickly and with great emotional fireworks, sometimes slowly as we grow into the identity we've been called to be. That's a miracle that not only brings applause on heaven, but great rejoicing in heaven itself. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, we are all equal on our knees. As as Luther said elsewhere, we're all beggars trying to tell other beggars where to find bread. And we thank you, Lord, that in our equal neediness, you have been equally gracious. You've given your Son for the salvation of the world, and now, and now through the preaching of the story, about His life, death, and resurrection, we have been brought to faith by Your Spirit. Thank You for that little miracle. And help us to treasure it. That we might not throw it away, but rejoice in it with the angels in heaven and, and share, share what we know, share what we believe, and trust with the world around us. That You may be glorified. And we may truly rejoice as lost coins and straying sheep. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best heart in the day Keep your sleeping, thy presence, my life.